But as I, as I share, <clears throat> you're going to wonder, when's he going to get to the point? So you're going to have to stay with me. Are we on here? We're good. I suspect that, that most of you, maybe all of you, maybe others that are hearing this message later, uh, have experienced and are excited and believing about the revelation you, you see of, of being a new creation in Christ. You're excited because God has set you free from a lot of things, but especially from yourself and from life to the extent that you can make it happy, which isn't very much. You've been set free from that. But as you've, as you've been a partaker of the blessing of God, if you're like me, your daily life sometimes encounters snags. You encounter questions. And you wonder, okay, I know the truth. I've been set free. But I'm not seeing things happen just like they always tell me. And in particular, a couple of things seem to be missing. I know that Dorman has talked a whole lot, and, and so have I and others do, about union and, and being united together, walking in unity. We don't always see that happening, though. In fact, it's pretty rare to see that happening. And another thing that we see, but we don't see as frequently as we probably should or think we should, and that's the miraculous, the miraculous, the supernatural. And yet life in Christ is all supernatural. So this thing we call unity and miracles, we don't seem to see them like we probably should. And, and in contemplating that question is where, where I'm coming from today. And, and let me just stop and say to Justin and, and Mike and the rest of the worship team, thank you. Um, we, we are blessed. I was blessed this morning as you helped me enter in to that, that place of reminder of who I am and who Christ is. And how we fit together. I need that. We all need that. And we need it regularly. And I'm not saying I haven't had some, but I'm, I needed it again. So thank you. Speaking of unity, I think, I think we have to start with the, the likelihood is that we really don't know what unity is. I'll say that again. We really don't know what it is. If you say the word unity, most people will say that's a, that's a lifelong desire and, and ambition that I have to see in my life. Every, every person I've ever seen on the Miss America contest says that she's going to bring world peace and unity. Have you noticed that? But it never happens. We just don't see it. Most Christians I know claim 
that they're, they're willing to lay aside their selfish ambition and aspirations in order to have unity. But do we really have it? Can we really have it? When we don't really understand the necessary grace of God that it requires. Ephesians 4.11 tells us that He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Sounds pretty unified, doesn't it? But it says until we come into that. And my question, are we into that? You see, what, what, is, what really is unity? Well, it's imperative that we see first that unity or union of, of two or more people, two or more individuals, is impossible to obtain. I mean, think about it. Can you make two of you one? Can you make ten of you one? No, you can't. Unity only comes, however, when more than one literally become one. Now, we speak of marriage and a husband and wife being one. And we say that we should have oneness in the body of Christ. And Jesus, in John 17, even prayed to the Father. He said, Keep them that you gave me, that they may be one as we are, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me. So the fact is, real unity is found only in Christ. There, there is no such thing as real unity apart from Christ. What the world calls unity in a marriage, it's not unity. Because there's still a lot of individualism. And those of us who are Christian maybe have experienced the same thing. We call ourselves in unity, in oneness, but are we really? Unity is found only in Christ. And I'm not talking about just the unity of getting along. You know, we say we're going to be in unity and we're going to get along with each other. No, we're not. In, in myself, in my old nature, I really don't even like you. And you don't like me. Because we're all selfish. And I'm really the only one I like. I cannot be one in my self-centered nature. And, and unity that is just getting along isn't unity at all. But only when we are living the one and only life that's worth living the life of Christ, do we have unity. When you're living His life, and I'm living His life, and each of you are living His life, then we have oneness, and we have unity, and we are in union, and only at that point. 
So we must recognize something that we've talked about, but we don't like to, to really live there. And that is that we are literally, literally dead. Dead to ourself, our ambitions, our aspirations, our goals, our purpose, even our love, and our relationships. And we are alive only to Him. All that other stuff is focused on me. It's only when I'm alive to Him that all those other things come into place. The life that we are now, now living is not our life. It is His life. What does Galatians 2.20 tell us? I am crucified with Christ. That makes me dead. If you're crucified, you're dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This life that we're living, it's simply the continuation of His life through each member of the body. As long as I maintain my old life, my self-life, what the Bible calls the old man, I will fail in my attempts at unity. So unity is a wonderful thing, something we all aspire for and want to happen, and yet we don't see it. We don't see in practice, in our daily routine, the union that Christ speaks of. And yet Jesus thought it was pretty important. When He said in John chapter 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. First of all, it's a commandment, a new commandment to love. And that word love is the word agape. That means to love like He loved. That means to love unconditionally. Wow. That sounds like it's getting close to unity. If Dorman and I truly love each other in the sense of agape, the kind of love that is not based on performance, the kind of love that I have for him and he for me because we're brothers, that kind of love, if it's present brings union and unity. And it is, in fact, the ingredient that is required for unity. Unity comes when we love, like He loved. And He gave us a commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Okay, that's what He said. He thought it was important. And yet, our experience tells us that it's impossible. Impossible. But I'm going to say to you that in Him, it's not. Now, if, look with me, if you will, at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 1 John three sixteen. Hereby 
perceive we the love of God. We're fixing to, we're fixing to see something here about this thing we call the love of God. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso has this world's good, and sees his brother have need, and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, what is that? What is it to have a heart that does not condemn you? It's a clear conscience. If our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And look, and get this, verse 22, And whatsoever we ask, we receive. That's the miraculous. You see, the miraculous, that which we ask and receive, comes. What we ask, we receive of Him. Why? Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Maybe it is possible. Maybe it is possible to keep His commandments and to receive those things that we ask, the miraculous. Because we keep His commandments. What is His commandment? We just read it. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then He says, do it. So that which is impossible, maybe it is possible. That which... My experience tells me I can't do. Maybe I can do. And the truth is I can, but not in myself, in Him. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. There it is again, as I have given you commandment. So we've got to love if we're going to see the impossible become possible. We've already shown that love is the necessity for unity. But what about the question, can we love like He loved? He just got through telling us to do it. Can we do it? Experience will tell you no. If you're like me, you've tried. I really did try. Did you really try? Did you really try to love to get along, to be in harmony, to be in unity. Yeah, I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried for a long time. But I always failed. But the question is, can we love as He loved? The answer is yes. We, we just read it in verse 24. And He that keeps His commandments dwells in Him, and He in Him. That's the key to, to being able to do what He tells you to do, is to do it in Him. In Him. Yes, we can love each other, based on what we read there in John 13. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Okay, I'm willing. Let's do it, God. 
We can find true unity, as we read there in Ephesians 4, until we all come into the unity of the faith unto a perfect man. Notice it doesn't say to many perfect men. We're not going to reach perfection individually. It says to a perfect man. Unity in love. That's where we're going to find it. Yes, we can keep His commandments. It's what we just read in verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive because we keep His commandments. John said that we keep His commandments. That's pretty arrogant. I'm going to stand here and tell you that I keep God's commandments. That's right. I do. I even keep... Now, now, don't shoot me on this. I even keep the law. Because in Christ Jesus, He fulfills all of the law. And I'm in Him. So in Him, I do. Can we experience the miraculous, the supernatural? Again, the answer is simply yes. For whatsoever we ask, we receive. What do you ask for? I bet you ask for the miraculous. That which you can't do, but you can do in Him. So, all of that is leading up to this question. How? How can this kind of love, this agape love that brings unity, truly be manifested in my life here on the earth? And the answer is really simple, but we're going to talk quite a bit about it. The answer in one word is honor. To honor. To honor. I want to read you a verse out of the Message Bible, because I like the way it reads. Speaking of Jesus and His obedience, Philippians 2.9 says, Because of that obedience... God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever. Ever. Don't you love that word? He made a pronouncement about his son Jesus. And then he said, there's never been anyone before him. And there's never going to be anyone after him. He is the best. And He is therefore highly honored. He is lifted up. Some versions use the word exalted. So if they say that about Jesus, we need to find out what it is He had that got Him such honor. That He was declared to be high and honored far beyond anyone or anything ever. So we're going to back up a few verses and read in Philippians 2, starting in verse 2. Now I'm going back to King James. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That sounds like unity, doesn't it? Oneness. Let's read on. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That sounds like the old man. 
Don't do anything out of your old nature, out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Sounds like love to me. Real love. Unselfish love. Sounds like honor. I think that's the best description we have of what honor is. It is truly, from your heart, honestly caring about one another. And about what's happening in somebody else's life and helping them to walk in the newness of life that they have in Christ. Jesus said of Himself in John 5.23 that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father who sent Him. So God honored Jesus. Jesus honors us, and we honor others. And every time honor occurs, not only are we honored, but the one who sent us is honored. Okay, now we're going to get to the meat of this, and I'm going to call this Jesus' secret. There's a secret that Jesus said. He didn't hide it, but you've got to have ears to hear it. So stay with me. You have ears to hear. Hear what he's saying here in John chapter 5, starting in verse 41. This is a secret that Jesus conveys to us whereby men, us, can truly live and walk in honor of one another. He says, I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. And I got about four question marks after that, because that's a little bit confusing at first glance. I don't receive honor from men, but I know you that you don't have the love of God in you. And as I read that over and over, the Lord began to give me revelation. Jesus is describing two different worlds. Two different world systems. He draws a distinction between himself and them. And by the way, them are the Pharisees that he was talking to. The people who are trying to reach righteousness in their own strength. He draws a distinction between himself and them by saying he doesn't seek men's honor or glory. And they don't have God's love in them. Or... Here's how the Lord gave it to me. Because I am not a part of this world system, I do not seek its glory or its honor. Because you are a part of this world system, you don't have God's love. The implication of the opposite is true too. He said, I don't receive honor from men, but I do receive honor from the Father. He said, you don't have the love of God in you, but I do have the love of God in you, in me. Jesus said that. I do have the love of God in me, and you're busy seeking the honor that men give. 
says that doesn't work that way. Real honor, real honor comes only from God. If you read on down to verse 44, it says, How can you believe which seek the honor that comes from men and not the honor that comes from God only? Real honor comes only from God, and there's a reason for that. Because it's attached to love. And there's no real love. There's no agape love apart from God. Have y'all tried to love unconditionally? How many have been successful? But in Christ, there is real love. And real honor comes only from God, like real love comes only from God. You see, the motive to love and the motive to honor are the same. They're the same. Now, you can live on the the self-centered side and fake it, and, and I've done that, but it's not legitimate, and it's not real. Or you can live on the the spirit side, the new man side, and partake of Him in His life, in His love, in His unity, and His honor. And it's real. He clearly states that apart from God's love functioning within us, we cannot honor someone else, nor can we believe. I like the way the message reads in that verse 44. How do you expect to get anywhere with God when you spend all your time jockeying for position with each other? Ranking your rivals and ignoring God. That says it pretty well, doesn't it? Honor is the same as love or agape. It is unconditional and it is impossible in our natural state. So let's take a look more closely at honor. Honor is indeed the ingredient that allows us to actually reach this lofty goal that we were talking about earlier of unity and of seeing the miraculous. Honor is defined in the Greek as a prize, a prize to fix a valuation upon. If I honor you, then I value you. I prize you. That is to honor. Honor begins and is always a specific grace from God that empowers us to relate to God and to others such that unity occurs. It is a method of interaction between people that only functions through the life of Christ. Self-centered people cannot possess or show honor. By definition, it cannot derive from a selfish person. Honor is what we do out of a nature that is Christ-like and unselfish. It's a complete new culture, wherein many people relate to each other via the Spirit of God or the new man. It's not one that reacts. It's not hasty. It does not deal with individuals based on the past or that which is accumulated. And by that I mean well, you know, I don't like Freddie because of what he did to me 20 years ago. So what? So what? Have you not gotten mature enough to realize by now 
that you have to live life forgiving people for their mistreatment of you? Church, if, if you haven't gotten to that point, then you're pretty shallow. I mean, that's the first step. We have got to learn that we cannot tolerate the injustice that we impose upon each other through unforgiveness. And I, and I didn't even have this in my notes, but if you got it, you got to get rid of it. It's that simple. You're not going to go any further carrying unforgiveness. You got to get rid of it. But the provision to get rid of it is, is there. You just take hold of it. You say, I forgive because I have the power of the Holy Spirit within me to do so. So, back to honor. We must begin to see the necessity for members of the body of Christ, each other, to acknowledge and recognize the gifts and calling of God on the various members. And we must start to see that those gifts and callings of God are different in other people. But God placed them on that person just as certainly as He did my gift on me. And what, I'm, what am I talking about when I say gifts? I'm just talking about your way. Whether you know it or not, you're operating in your gift. It is your way. It's your personality. It comes out. You don't decide to do it. It just happens because it's the gift of God upon you. But you know what? We don't all have the same one. They're all different. And I have to be okay with you with a different gift. Some of y'all probably have a little trouble with Mike sometimes because Mike's gift kind of steps on toes. And Jim Schilling. But you know what? I don't have to be like Mike, but I have to let Mike be like Mike. I have to let him have the freedom to exercise his gift that God put upon him with the same confidence that I stand up here and teach you in my gift. I believe I'm doing what God's called me to do. And some of you can't do what I'm doing, but that's okay. That doesn't make me better or worse than you. And when Mike prophesies, it doesn't make him better or worse than you. It just means we're different. It just means we have a different calling from God. You see, ministry does not really occur when the motive of the ministry is selfish. When I minister out of my selfish ways... I'm really manipulating so that I can look good. Y'all ever done that? Oh, okay. I guess I'm the only one. (laughs) Usually the actual motive for that sort of ministry is for me, the minister, to gain real or perceived control. Control. That's a nasty word. It gets you in big trouble. Many people today are driven to believe that they are in control of themselves, circumstances, and other people. 
And I'm going to stand here and hold my hand up and say, I was absolutely the worst. But take note that I said was. Because I've been made new. My wife might sometimes question that. But I am new. But I was the worst when it came to control. Everything in my life was motivated to look good and to, to have a perceived, at least, control of the situation. We seem to deliberately choose to ignore the obvious. And that is that God made everything, including me. And He really doesn't need my help. I lived a big part of my life thinking I was doing God a big service, helping Him out. Y'all laugh. You've been there. You've been there. Because we're human. And we think God needs us. But in our ignorance, we go on trying to control. Honor, on the other hand, is an attitude that does not believe it's important to control others. In fact, it believes in the sanctity of each, other's, each other person's life such that they deserve honor. Let me, let me say that again. Honor is an attitude that does not believe it is important to control others. In fact... It believes in the sanctity of each other's person's life such that they deserve honor. In, in Danny Silk's book, The Culture of Honor, he says, Honor protects the value that people have for those who are different than they are. So, because we're different, I have to value you and quit trying to control you to make you be like me. Have you noticed that I am not the standard? Has anybody picked up on that? It, you don't need to be like me. You don't need to be like anybody except you. The person God has made you to be. And to be that in truth, as you really are. That's who... God has chosen you to be. So I ask this question. Do I really value others? Or do I just see them as somebody to manipulate and control so it makes me look good? Do I honor people or receive people as they are? Jesus, it was said of Jesus in John 1, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him or honored Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God even them that believe on His name. They didn't, even, they didn't even honor Jesus. Honor is respect of the uniqueness of another person. Respect His differences from you and from what you think is right. Now let's look at Jesus' example. Best example in the Bible, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. And He went out from thence and came into His own country, and His disciples followed Him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, From where has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands, the, the miraculous? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Or in other words, isn't He just one of us? 
Why, why is he so exalted? Isn't he just one of us? And they were offended. The word in the Greek is to scandalize, to entrap, to trip up. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus said that a lack of honor came from familiarity with the person exercising their gift. And he used himself as the example here and showed that even he, the Son of God, was limited by people's unbelief or by their dishonor. You know what their real motive was? They were jealous. Oh, he's, he's just one of us. He grew up here. He's one of the boys. How can he do spectacular things? How can he be high and lifted up? And why should we honor him? He's just one of us. People don't give honor when they're selfishly trying to control, when they're jealous. To honor one is to love them and believe in them. When the locals were offended at Jesus, they dishonored Him. And that led to their unbelief. And they saw a few miracles. If you hadn't picked it up yet, I'm telling you, that's why we don't see as many miracles as we should. That's why we don't have unity as we should. Because we've fallen prey to the world system that totally dishonors everyone. Have you noticed that everything in the world system we live in is competitive? Somebody has to win. But you know what happens when somebody has to win? Somebody has to lose. That's not the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Whosoever will, let him come and taste and partake of the kingdom. Whosoever will. He didn't say, Only the best. Only the few. He said, whosoever will. The love of God, this thing we call the love of God, whereby we honor one another, there's enough of it to go around. You can all have it. In fact, you can all have all of it. It's supernatural. It's, it's not just... There's so much and everybody's got to get his little piece. It's not that way at all. It's the powerful agape love of a father for his children. I stand amazed at your love for me. Why are you so amazed? Because it's not limited. There's, there's enough to go around. You can have all you want. God gives it to you. The honor, the love of God, it's unconditional. Don't honor people because you like them or because they do great things, but in recognition 
of who they are and who you are. That brings you into unity and it releases the power for the miraculous. Who is it that we're supposed to honor? Well, everyone, for that, the Scripture tells us. Here's, here's one that the Lord's dealt with me about. Somebody that I haven't always honored. Those Christians who don't have the fullness of revelation that I have. Hmm? I have to honor them. I have to honor them. Those who don't have that fullness of revelation. We've already talked about those who have different gifts. What about those who have positions? The Bible tells us there's no authority but that of God. Elected leaders, spiritual leaders. One of the first commandments is to honor your father and mother. Why are you to honor their father and mother? Because of their position. It's not that they've done anything special. But they hold a position in your life. I have a brother that, not a physical brother, a brother in the Lord that God's used mightily. I used to be jealous of him until I started seeing some of this. And now I'm glad that God uses him like he does. And he, he has great anointing that I don't have. But that's okay. That's okay because I've got to do what God calls me to do and let Him do what He's called to do. When you're in the position to be honored, you sometimes don't get honor. And you can't do anything about it. I've felt rejection as an older brother, as a boss. Anybody ever reject their boss? Probably just about everyone. It's not fun. But I couldn't change it. I was still the boss. I had the position. And I couldn't change it. Being a dad, an organizer, a leader. Did I do things wrong? Yes. Many, many times. Many times. But I still had the position. And I couldn't change it. We must honor people in the position that God has put them. We must honor, I'm going to call this in quotes, we must honor the man of God. Well, who is the man of God? I mean, is, is Dorman the man of God? Yeah. How about Carla? How about Mike? How about Rosie? Yes. We must honor the man of God. I have another brother, ministers a lot. He doesn't minister like I do. In fact, I get a little uneasy around him sometimes because I don't like, I, I just get uncomfortable where he's going sometimes. But God's called him to do what he does. And he makes mistakes. But he has such a powerful anointing. And I've learned that even though I don't have to be like Him, I do have to release Him to be who He is. And, and God uses Him in, in great force and power.
Why should we even honor people? And I'm going to read you something the Lord gave me about 3 o'clock in the morning one day. Why should we honor others? God created them, not as your competitor, but as your equal recipient of His extreme love. His love is enough to go around to all. Each may have it, for indeed it is extreme, exceeding even our wildest imagination. There has never been, nor will be, such again. Don't hear what I'm saying to you as a challenge. I'm not challenging you to start honoring people. That's not the intent of this message. In fact, you can't. You can't do it. But it's simply a lesson to let the Holy Spirit who lives in you bear the fruit of being a new creature. If you do that, you will honor people because He honors people. So we have freedom and we've begun this walk of grace that we all enjoy. But it's hard to maintain it in the church because honor is often missing. We all want our freedom, but it's hard to give others their freedom. Our gifts are different. It leads to dishonor and even offense. And finally, I want to say, if we want to honor somebody, there's ways we have to help those that are different than us. We might have to give them money. Lord ever told you to give money to some minister that you didn't even like? You didn't like the way he ministered? He was a little bit embarrassing to you? He kind of put you on the spot and God told you to give him money? Or, here's the hard one. This same guy that's a little hard, a little embarrassing, God tells you to go down and let him minister to you. Let him pray for you. You receive from his ministry. Pray for him. Pray honestly for him that the blessing of God would be upon his ministry. And encourage him. Encourage him. We may have to do those things, folks, with people that we don't even like. Because the Spirit of the living God is upon them, and their gift is of God, and anointed of God, just as certainly as mine is. It's different. We may not ever minister in the same camp, but we both got to minister together. We have got to learn. If we want to see the power of God released and the unity of the body come forward, then we've got to walk in the Spirit who Himself always honors each other. I've given you a lot to think about. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that the thoughts we're having right now and we'll have later, that you will confirm to each of us that which is of you and strike that which was of me. And give us the grace 
and the supernatural power to set aside this worldly way that's so focused on ourself and instead live the life that you lived that was focused totally on others and giving them honor. Let let honor come forward out of our heart, releasing in the Spirit the power of the union that we need and the supernatural that we so much want to see. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.